Welcome everybody to MarTech Interviews. Uh, today are, we are talking about the present and future of mobile marketing with John Cotier. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to MarTech. Uh, John, how are you, sir? Doing very, very well and super pumped to be here with you. I think it's the first time we're doing this, although we've known each other for years. Yeah, absolutely. I got to speak at an event with John in New York, which was a pretty epic event, actually. Uh, Upstairs, top floor, rooftop, patio. It was it was nice. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, and John, John actually lives in my old stomping grounds, too, because... Uh, some people know this, but I went to high school in downtown Vancouver in British I Columbia. So I know. <laughs> I, I, I miss it dearly. Uh, I, I don't know how I got to Indiana, where there are no mountains, no ocean, no anything. But uh, <laughs> but I'll be back there. Um, uh, for people that don't know, John, you've probably read John's articles all over the web. Uh, John is a journalist, uh, analyst. Uh, futurist, and I love the fact that he calls himself a dreamer too. Uh, but where you've heard on this uh, in my interview series and most of my blog posts, I talk about kind of the tactical execution, you know, utilizing marketing technology. Uh, John really studies about the trends and what's happening and, and predicting the future. And he's one of those people in the industry that I just have uh, the utmost respect for. Um, yeah, absolutely. You've written for, you know, Forbes, Inc. Um, you're currently uh, the VP of Insights for Singular, um, and Correct. You, you wrote for Tune, uh, Staples, ReadWrite, Snatchbot, uh, VP Insight Research Team, Adventure Beat. I mean, you name it. If 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 <laughs> if it's and and the and the stuff that I just eat up because I just don't have a lot of insight into it is mobile marketing, and I thought that would be a great topic uh, to discuss. Uh, you've you've released uh, several reports on just holidays and, and what behaviors have changed. And then uh, I continue reiterating to my clients, you know, we have to look at mobile first, mobile first, or, or, or at least mobile adjacent. Yes, yes, <laughs> with, yes, with, yes. With everything they're doing. And I, and I really feel like a lot of companies are just missing a spectacular opportunity. So maybe we can start with just a review of the holiday season and the impact of mobile marketing on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really cool place. And, and maybe I'll just back up for a, a moment and just talk about mobile and its kind of place maybe in yeah. terms of marketing, in terms of your relationship between a brand and a customer, because there's a real special place there, right? You're aware of this and that we're mostly mobile now, and whether it's web or app, um, we're, we're, that's kind of the first place we reach to grab, especially when we're out and about or other things like that. But especially when you can get a mobile app of yours, your brands on your customer's phone, that's power, right? Because yeah. mobile is the three-foot device, right? Never more than three feet from your body. And you've got this all of a sudden one-to-one -one connection with your customer, walking with your customer, kind of aware of the context your customer is in, when they're interested in dealing with you, when they're not, other things like that, and that direct relationship that you can't otherwise get. Of course, that's challenging, can be difficult. You have yeah. to be the right kind of company with the right kind of um, uh, offering and the right kind of brand and the right kind of 
I guess, personality almost to say that somebody would say, hey, I want to have that app from that company, that brand on my phone and the right offering there as well. But if you can do that, that's really, really impressive. Well, so go and, ahead. Well, and we see, right, we see that um, it's something that has to be invested in and planned and researched very carefully with the mobile app because, you know, demonstrably, you know, I, I, you, you probably have the stats on your head, but, you know, people use very few apps and engage with yes. very few apps on a daily basis. And even though there's millions of apps out there and, the, and, and companies, I think, that take the cheap route, yes, <laughs> go white label something or, sure. or have their, you know, cousin, you know, uh, Stephanie, you know, <laughs> snap something together. Uh, you know, they, they hey, just, Stephanie does good work. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie <laughs> cares, <laughs> but, but they, they typically just don't see the return and they go, Oh, this mobile app thing is all a fad and nobody's, nobody's doing it. But the companies that do it well are just deep engagement, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, so we might use between five and eight apps on the average day, right? Different apps. And you probably are in up to about 30 apps on, let's say, the average week or so. And the reality is, is that as a brand to be successful, you don't necessarily need to be one of those five to eight apps. And guess what? You're not going to be. Yeah. Unless your name is Facebook <laughs> or it's Google. Yeah. Maybe it's Snap or something like that. You're not going to be in the five to eight. Sorry. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can be in the 30. That's impressive. My banking app, you know, I'm in there maybe uh, twice, three times a month or something like that. Doesn't mean it's not important. I fly United because it works for the routes I go. So I use the United app. I might use that um, three or four times uh, on a particular day every two weeks or something like that, right? So what is the usage pattern that makes sense for you and your customers? And I think you need to judge yourself by that, not by how often Facebook gets opened on a phone. Uh, that's a, that's a great that's great insight and then of course with that it you know it, you have mobile web of course which a lot of people you know kind of alternatively point to but mobile yes. mobile app obviously provides a lot more um uh, personalization security uh and then of course user interface enhancements right Yep. Yep. And also, I mean, you're, you're looking top funnel, bottom funnel, right? So uh, mobile web, guess what? Somebody is just checking out. You do some you do some consulting for, I believe, a door company or a cabinetry yeah. company, right? And, and, and so I'm just checking them out. I'm not going to download their app. That's kind of a big step. That's like, you know, second base or something like that, right? I'm going to go search for them on the mobile web and I'm going to get some information there. Now, if I enter a deep relationship with this company and maybe we're going to work on a kitchen remodel or something like that and it makes sense, maybe there's some AR tool for measuring so I can get some quoting done or whatever, then, hey, yeah, I'll download the app and use the app. But that's not what I'm going to do first in most cases. Interesting. Wow. So so with these companies that let's say are in that uh... – you know, that eight to 20, eight to, eight to 30, you know, infrequent usage, but, but they're engaged with their people. What happened to those companies uh, from an e-commerce standpoint over that holiday season this year? Yeah, it's a really, really interesting point. I mean, we, we did a, some research. We analyzed about uh, $1.1 billion in ad spend, about $300 billion ad impressions, and $9 billion clicks. Wow. And, and we saw hundreds of millions of wasted dollars because – 
Typically, what happens is marketers seem to be kind of in their own silos. Hey, this is my product. This is my vertical. This is what I'm selling. Here are my customers, and there you go. And often they'll have a plan that they've built maybe last quarter, maybe two or three quarters ago, and they're executing their plan. The reality is that when you're marketing, you're marketing in an entire world, a universe of marketing that other marketers are participating in, other verticals and other products. And so we saw that a lot of marketers are actually marketing at suboptimal times. So let me give you one example, uh, games. Costs peak for games, game marketing in September, but installs peak, if you're gonna install a new gaming app, Pokemon Go, whatever you might be doing, uh, they peak in December. Yeah, that's a legacy of us getting so those new devices um, in, at the Christmas season, right? You remember yeah. uh, three, four years ago, you'd get the new phone, the new tablet, whatever, Christmas gift, and you'd start loading it up with new apps, right? Well, guess what? Uh, the world has changed, and now you get your new device, and what happens? The first thing, you sign in, and all your old stuff just comes right over. <laughs> so right. Right. So we saw those costs peak in September, but actually, if you're really wanting to market for games, it's much cheaper in March and June. Productivity is another example. The marketing is heaviest in July through November, but the click-through rate, which is always an interesting rate to look at if you can get industry-wide, vertical-wide data on, the click-through rate is highest in February. Well, shocker, people are more interested in changing um, in, in, in creating new habits and structures early in the year as they think about the coming year, right? So lots of other examples like that, shopping apps as well. It's really critical for marketers to know the specific cycle for their vertical, not just their product, and adapt accordingly in real time. And if you have these long planned marketing uh, strategies, uh, quarter to quarter, that may not make a ton of sense in mobile. It's pretty fast paced. You need some agility in the face of these changing costs and conversion rates um, so you can drive better results. Uh, that's, uh, I, I wanna reiterate one of the things that I heard there that is, is so important because it's important for every business. And that's that I think that sometimes marketers from a lack of resources and time and everything else just kind of slam together a strategy and put it on rinse repeat all year long, you know? And and so, uh, you know, what you're saying is basically, if you can take some of that money, you know, and shift it, you know, to the high demand times and look at the seasonality of consumers or businesses, uh, you're gonna get a lot better investment with that and, and return on investment with that, with that right? Absolutely. And I mean, it takes a long-term view. Do you want to grow 15%, 25% every quarter? Or maybe is it smarter to actually grow 50% one quarter and the next quarter focus on re-engaging, uh, strengthening those relationships? I'm not entirely sure everybody's vertical is different, yeah. but it's worth thinking about. Yeah. Incredible. Now, a uh, question for you with regard to, to the holiday season. Um, a lot of times I hear marketers speak about mobile like it's its own silo, but there's a lot of crossover between mobile and desktop, right? Where we might start researching on a mobile device, but then we might end the conversion on a desktop. Absolutely. So there's, there's a couple things to say there. Um, and let me start with this one. Uh, I, I really 
it makes me cry inside <laughs> when, when I hear marketers talk about mobile as a channel. Mobile is not a channel. Mobile is the ecosystem within which all the other channels exist. So that's overstating the case. No, I'll, that's I'll a great that and then, in just a moment. Yeah. But uh, web is mobile. Email is mobile. Social is mobile. Uh, phone <laughs> is mobile. Uh, outdoor marketing is mobile. Guess what? You see something, you decide to do a quick search on that. Right. You know, there's all of that stuff. This is the most personal computing device ever invented. It's with you all the time. Three foot device. You already talked about that. And so all the other channels converge there. That said, what you said, what you said is actually true. It's less true year by year, yep. but it's but it's actually true that people are multi-platform, and they saw something while they were on their commute. And guess what? Sometimes you want to use a big screen, and sometimes you want a keyboard. Maybe you're an old fart like us. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe, exactly. <laughs> or maybe. You're just a kid, but you know what? You want to see it on your 20-inch you know, screen attached to your laptop or whatever the case might be. That matters, especially for certain products, right? Uh, maybe it's furniture, other things like that. You want a bigger picture of that sort of thing. So you, then you hop back and forth between, and conversion rates are still higher on desktop. Uh, though That's changing. Uh, we but, see that changing. But again, if you didn't have mobile complementing that, Yes. They may have never converted, right? Correct. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a, you know, chicken before the egg. Yes, yes. And then understanding your customer in terms of where did your customer come in? Where was the entry point? Where were the other touch points that they took along the path to actual conversion? Actually, and that conversion could be calling you. That conversion could be sending in a contact form that conversion could be a purchase right whatever it is in your flow for your particular product but understanding those touch points is really critical to you optimizing them yeah and with that one of the areas i know that you have tons of expertise in is uh mobile attribution right and so the the ability to actually track what you're doing mobily and, and when we talk mobile we're talking everything right sms uh, applications, mobile web. Um, I'm trying to, there's even now voice, right? You know, yes. so, yes. um, but, but how, how difficult is it to attribute that, that marketing or advertising all the way down to a conversion? You definitely need a tool to do it. And the company that I, uh, MVP insights for singular is an expert in doing that and has direct relationships with Facebook, Google, Snap, Apple, Amazon, and others um, that that enable us to do that attribution right down at a very, very granular level, which is what you need. Uh, you need to be able to see what happened, where those clicks came from, what converted, what didn't convert. You also need to be able to separate out fraud, uh, which is a real challenge in all forms of marketing, just about paid advertising particularly. Um, and you need to be able to separate that out. Otherwise, you will never uh, optimize the right thing. Well, that, uh, so people that don't know about mobile fraud, it, when you start to get into the deep, dark uh, horror stories yes. of phone farms in foreign countries. <laughs> well, actually, I think isn't the United States number one for fraud? I think it is. Uh, it's uh, it's one. It's up there. 
it, it, it's up there because there's a lot of value to be gained from it. Yeah. Uh, but India is is really, really high in fraud right now. Um, China's not great. Uh, there's there's multiple um, geos where fraud is an issue. I don't think there's a single one where it isn't. And can you talk about, you know, if I'm a if I'm a mobile advertiser and I'm spending, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, um, how does fraud work against me? What what's what's the dynamic there? There's a bunch of ways that fraud can work against you. Uh, one is it, it tells you the wrong data about what's working. Um, two, it, 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 it just drains your money away. Um, and and it just it, it's a real, real challenge if you don't have the right technology to know what is true. So you can see something that you say, this is a great campaign. It's converting well, and I'm actually getting great downstream returns from it. So I know that this is these are actually paying customers. It's real. But you may not realize that that uh, the ad partners you're using there are actually sniping organic users, uh, so, organic customers. So let's say you're promoting uh, your new game, your new yes. app for people to download. What's basically happening is these guys are – uh, maybe you have a publication out there, or maybe they're even even their own mobile app. Yes. And, and and what they're trying to do is get higher ad click rates and higher CPC rates so that they can make money off of you. That, that's one money. thing that they could do. That's one thing they could do. The other thing they could do is they could see, huh, I'm on an Android device and uh, an app gets installed. Let's say it's the Amazon shopping app, and Amazon is big in, in promoting its app, as you know. And it sees that it got got installed you know, because there's a broadcast on 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 Android devi devices that hey there's a new app that's installed on this device and then they might click um, spam and they might send uh, spoof clicks and other things so that you think that this particular install which you thought was which was actually driven by ad partner A or pure organic seems to be driven by ad partner B. Wow. Um, so they're actually uh, actually sniping that. Um, that that's just one way, and there's multiple others. Um, uh, Dr. Augustine Fu, uh, who I've worked with a little bit in, in the past as well, has has some great research on um, just uh, stacking ads, <laughs> right? So there's lots of ads sending spurious clicks, um, entirely fake. Uh, websites that send traffic from one to the other to the other to the other and advertisers are paying for uh, things that never actually happened oh. nobody actually saw wow. yes really challenging it's really critical as an advertiser to pay for performance but to define performance correctly uh, performance is downstream actual money in your bank sales yeah. conversions that you want and then you still need the fraud protection solutions, like what Singular offers, so that you know that the ones that the, the ad networks you're crediting for your success actually deserve it. Yeah. Wow. What a what an industry, huh? Just just thieves <laughs> everywhere. It's crazy. And, crazy. and it's and and it's. I I was at a. Uh, I won't mention their name, but I was at a company the other day, and they had a phone farm set up for good reasons. They were doing rendering. Yep. You know, so they so basically, if you want to if you want to render devices, the only true way you could you could I know that there's software that tries to replicate it, but the only true way is to have those devices and then do these screen grabs and everything else. 
And I was amazed. I walked into the room and literally, you know, all these devices are moving and it's all automated. You know, it's all yep. basically uh, process automation tools that you you program to repeatedly, you know, do mm-hmm. these things. And and uh, and I was like, is this how these fraud, fraud folks are doing it? And the guy goes, this is exactly <laughs> how they're doing it. You know, they use it to, like you said, click ads to, you know, to, to programmatically do this stuff. And and so what you're saying is utilizing tools like like Singular and, the, you know, this isn't an ad for Singular, but I think it's really important as a leader in that industry that we, we, we uh, you know, let people know who they are. But but what Singular does is basically connect those dots, right? And make sure that that there's relevant activity that resulted in conversions so that the the spurious activity you can do away with and not spend money on, right? Relevant activity from real people that resulted in real conversions and being able to trace that back to marketing actions taken so that it wasn't somebody who just came in at the end last second and sniped your last click conversion. Yeah. Your last click attribution, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the critical part. Wow. That's that's absolutely <clears throat> incredible. Now, uh, just to set the stage with people, um, what what is a you know, what is a typical size company or ad budget, mobile ad budget need to be where singular is a good solution for them? We're talking um, at least tens of thousands a month. Okay. Um, and so there are many customers that we have um, and uh, that, that will spend millions a month. Uh, but we definitely have uh, lower end solutions as well. And that's actually interesting because we just recently did some research on our customers and what they were seeing there and uh, of the scaling mobile growth and who was winning and who wasn't winning and uh, saw some interesting things there as well. Yeah. Well, well tell me. Tell me more. <clears throat> Cool. <laughs> that actually builds on research I did when I was at VentureBeat, uh, building the research division there, and and we looked at we looked at uh, marketers and we saw those who have few ad partners versus those who have many ad partners. Uh, we analyzed about ten billion dollars in ad spend, and we saw that the experts had many ad partners. So we're talking, they could be 10, could be 20, could be 100, could be many like that. Novices tended to have few and they tend to be names that your uh, that your mother would recognize, that your father would recognize. Um, and so they're, they're safe names, right? But what we saw is that experts had 37% cheaper conversions. In other words, they got 60% more conversions for the same dollar, for the wow. same cost. With, with the smaller... Or with yes. the wider array, array of, of choices. Yes, but it's not just about the wider array of choices. It is that, um, but the challenge is it's hard to do that. At, it's hard to advertise and market at scale, like with this, using more ad partners, if you don't have the technologies to support it, right? right? Because you're doing things that are really, really challenging. For one thing, creative optimization, right? Um, marketers know that their best creative drives 11x results of their worst creative. They know that 75% of an ad success is driven by creative. So you need to know what's working and where across all your ad partners, what creatives are performing, what aren't, what's fatiguing, right? What, what creative have people seen too much of? And should I withdraw from and, 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 and put something else in? So, for instance, we have one customer, uh, Network is the, is, is the company. The E is a three because it's cool, you yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> um, and they make 50 videos a week. Wow. 50 wow. videos a week. And they throw them out there. And, hey, which ones perform? 
which ones work. And the winners uh, move on. The winners, uh, this is very Darwinian, right? The winners uh, get, get, get more ad dollars. The losers just drop right off. Um, really, really uh, impressive to see how the experts work. So they're doing high test rates across a, a multitude of, of distribution points. So, yep. that, so that statistically they're getting a, a valid model of what's working and what's not working. Yes. And so if you're just taking three distribution points and one video, <laughs> maybe you just showed it at the wrong time. You know, maybe it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. As long as the ad campaign was big enough with those three, you'd probably still get some interesting data from that. I would I would never say don't experiment or don't get that data. Yeah. Um, this is just um, what they're doing is experimentation at scale. I mean, in yeah. massive, truly massive scale. That's incredible. I, it's a world that I just don't have a lot of insight. So I, I'm, I'm so thankful to have you on the show. Um, cool. uh, so, so where can people go to get this research that you've put out recently? Sure. Um, a lot of it is available from singular.net, um, spelled exactly the way that you think. And I'll link to it all from johncootseer.com, which nobody can spell, but hey, you know what, we'll add a link somewhere. <laughs> I got it the first time, John, but that's because I know you. <laughs> awesome. I will I will put links to your site uh, as well as Singular uh, within our show notes as well for everybody. Um, so that's that's our present. You know, I, I love picking your brain about the, the future, too, because we've got, you know, things like voice that are starting to, you know, creep into everything that we're doing. We were joking before the podcast i was silencing my echo you were silencing your echo and your google so um yes. you're ambidextrous over there so <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but, but i i i feel like um it almost feels like to me that marketing we used to have kind of these predictive channels that we could we could we could almost i don't want to say the word game but we knew that we were going to get the results that we needed we knew exactly how to execute, you know, to maximize that investment. Now we're starting to get into these vague areas. Like, you know, voice is one of those things that every article that I read on voice is cool, but nobody says really how it's done and how to optimize for it and how to, you know, there's no meta tags to throw in. There's no, <laughs> you know, yes. it's, it's literally machine learning and, and these guys are fine tuning over time the response rates and frustration of, of people interacting with them and improving the model. And yes. so, I, you know, what does that, what does that do to the future of marketers uh, when we have these, all of these entry points where people are seeking information and research and even purchase decisions and, and we're kind of losing control of, of how to optimize for them. Yeah. It's a, a great question, and I think a, little, a lot of marketers are feeling the strain. Uh, last week I was at CES in, in Vegas, uh, Consumer Electronics Show, yep. 180,000 attendees, 3 million square feet of, of, of floor space, show space, and it's incredible. Uh, everywhere you go, first of all, Google had this, Google had a city there. I mean, outside the main convention hall, they had a city with like a Disneyland Google ride, and it was all about, hey, Google, and Google Assistant, and these white-clad people in these funky white hats were with hey google on them were all over the floor amazon didn't have a big uh presence there but everywhere you went there was like works with alexa works with amazon that sort of thing 
So we have this kind of emerging battle between especially those two giants, uh, Siri and Apple are somewhere there as well, but especially those two giants over oh, kind of the God. future of computing modalities, right? The future of us getting information. From a marketing perspective, I don't see voice, particularly voice speakers or smart speakers as a marketing channel per se in terms of, you know what, when you tell Alexa, and I turn my Alexa off so she'll she'll shut up right yeah. now, good. But <laughs> when, when you tell Alexa to turn the lights on, you don't want to hear a little ad from P&G or something. <laughs> right. Edison whatever. It's not what you want, right? You're yeah. in your home. You are the master of your domain and you don't want to be interrupted that way. That said, it may be the case that there might be a relationship that you can build with somebody. There are 70,000 Alexa skills right now. Uh, and I believe Google said there were over a million um, uh, actions, Google actions for Google Home and the Google Assistant. So there's lots of ways that a brand can, can use that. I think the key thing here is this. Everything I was seeing at CES was addressable by voice. Your bed is addressable. I'm not joking. There's a bed that you can talk to, <laughs> tell it to warm up, move, whatever the case might be. Yeah. Uh, there's a toilet that has Alexa built in. Uh, it's from Kohler. And yes, uh, it'll open when you come to it. It'll close and flush automatically when you leave it. You can you can ask it what the weather's going to be like, other <laughs> stuff like that. I'm not joking. That's so voice. <laughs> so voice is important for brands because people will have an expectation that they can talk to their bank. You know, they can talk to uh, maybe the furniture store or whatever it might be, uh, and and get what they want. And, and that's going to happen a lot of ways. Sometimes um, it's going to happen via Alexa, via Google Home, or via Hey Google, the Google Assistant. Uh, but that's something for brands to think about. I don't think it's a big ad channel. I think it's more of a relationship, an engagement, a re-engagement scenario. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like, um, and I actually have a friend of mine, uh, Lorraine Ball, who launched her own skill on Amazon to do daily marketing minutes. Nice. Brilliant, right? And you can add it to your news brief through the, I was blown away. Um, you know, and so uh, to your point though, you know, these are things that improving the customer experience, I think that's having a greater impact on people's marketing dollars that if they, ha you know, you talked about your your banking app, right? I uh, Down here it's Chase, you know, is the big yes. one. Their usability of that application is amazing. Like you, you want to use it. It's so good. And I feel like what's happening in reverse is that people are mad that the banks are shutting down and that we're getting rid of tellers and, you know, and yes. we're going to all this automation. But at the same time, their customer satisfaction is going up overall because they've made the experience so good. And so, so that seems like the opportunity is if you can, you know, if you have a talking, you know, a toilet that you can, you know, converse with, if the experience is so good, people are going to talk about that. That's remarkable. And then that's obviously going to carry, you know, out and and have a dramatic impact on, you know, your ability to market your products or services. You know, I think that's a really valid point. And I think what's really, really interesting, what you just brought out, is that marketing isn't what it used to be. Marketing used to be all this pre-sales effort. Guess what? Marketing is now throughout the entire customer experience. And you just talked about it. You just hit on it. 
And that's interesting. So marketing needs to be involved in the product. Yes. Marketing needs to be involved in the delivery. It's the entire experience. You talked earlier pre-show that you're you're doing some consulting work around Salesforce implementations. Yeah. Well, yeah. Salesforce has you know the marketing cloud, but it has a service cloud. It has other clouds as well, and you can have this theoretically holistic ver view of your customer. Uh, from prospect to actually signing a deal to all the stages of being a customer. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention a, you know, a client, the, I do the Dell podcasts, uh, but you know, Dell, they've positioned their social media marketing team as having a direct relationship with their engineering team. So that when people have problems and they go online, they can prioritize and route and get a response, you know, back immediately because they realize that it's a 360 degree effort. They realize yeah. that, you know, if they take care of that, it's a public, you know, interface. And if they solve those issues really well, that that's going to come back and help their marketing dollars and, and everything. And and I, I love hearing about organizations that are, are taking, you know, advocacy, engineering, customer service and and really really formulating a process with their marketing team to put it all together smart because uh, let's face it most marketers we were never in front of the client before right we made a <laughs> we made a magic brand and we and we made cool graphics and then somebody else had to deal with everything downstream now now people actually talk to us <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the three martini lunches yeah <laughs> Exactly. Well, uh, what's what's next? I, I mean, you speak very often, too. So uh, any events, you know, you just got back from CES. Actually, maybe let me prequel before we kind of close out uh, CES, you know, top five, top three things that you, you kind of blew you away there. Anything? Uh, CES is amazing. It's horrible. It's wonderful. It's incredible. It's, uh, it, it's, it's an experience. Everybody should do it. Um, you know, I played, uh, ping pong with a robot. Uh, I think I won, um, <laughs> cause I, cause I put spin on and couldn't handle that so much. That Good. was, um, Thank you for, on behalf of mankind, thank you. <laughs> it's the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I people have probably seen this already, but the LG unrolling TV. Have you seen that? Yes. Um, yes. It's a 65 inch 4K TV that fits in a um, uh, cross section is one foot by one foot, right? Oh. And of course, as wide as a 65 inch TV needs to be wide, and you want it to, uh, you want to watch some TV, it just rolls itself up. Right. Frameless. It's, I mean, gorgeous and amazing and incredible. I asked them, they said you can do it 35,000. They've tested 35,000 times, which is like using your TV for 20 years and not a problem. Wow. The future is an amazing place. Wow. That's incredible. Now, the funny thing about, you know, and then 8K, of course, rolled out there, you know, for. Yes. But we're, we're still on um, HDTV for cable. So we <laughs> nobody's actually able to transmit at that. No. So I'm not sure why we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, so that, and, and of course something like that has to, you know, this is where I, my mind gets stuck is I think about an unrolling TV and it's not about the unrolling TV. It's just that they now have a material that that's flex. Yes. That's so flexible. Like you said, so I, I was talking to a client that, you know, think about that with your your company that now, you know, your your mug with a logo on it mm -hmm. might be a, a mug 
with a screen on it that you know is is telling you the news or you know I, I, my, I mean my my head starts spinning that you know yes. now all of a sudden anything can be a monitor anywhere yes yeah oh, it's it's mind-boggling it is uh anything other at ces that that you were just totally wowed you by? know um i don't know if you watched the series uh was it catching fire uh or something like that i don't know the, the whole wall uh, was a, a screen. Uh, so Samsung had the wall TV in it. I think it's 212 inches, something like that. Oh. I mean, it's like some insane, immense number. Uh, I'm not sure that one's 8K, uh, but uh, probably 4K. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I just hope I get some work done in the future. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can get rid of all these monitors and everything and just, just have that monster up. That's That's incredible. Wow. Um, exactly. Well, let's go, let's go back to the other question. Uh, any any speaking opportunities or events that you're going to be at, and then yeah. and then of course we'll close with how where do people follow you online and subscribe and and all of that because you you just put out exceptional information. Thank you, thank you. So um, I'll be in Slovenia at a smart city conference um, in a couple months, and I will be speaking for Shunk on um, robotics and automation. Uh, in, I believe, Frankfurt um, shortly. And then there's a bunch of other stuff coming up and it's all available on my website. That's fantastic. And for people listening, your website again? JohnCootsier.com. Yep. And <laughs> and of course, we'll put Singular up there as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I think we probably need to at least do this once a year, maybe twice a year just to get maybe. updates. But um, again, I, you know, I'm not a futurist. And so I, I, I look to people like you to really kind of tell me where the direction is heading. And it's, it's amazing how accurate you are. So, and, uh, and, and maybe part of it is that you're, you're not just a dreamer. You base it off trending and data. You love data sure. analysis. And I think that makes a big difference in, in my, my, uh, what is it? You know, my trust for the information that you put out. So cool. But cool. thanks for joining us today, John. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.